Welcome to Hit the Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and I am not vengeance, but I might be the knight. And this week I am joined by my friend and uh, co-host, the man who uh, wears his cowl with his ears pointed up, Jesse. How you doing, Jesse? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just don't forget that... If the daily trappings of life are boring you, uh, there's always madness because it is the emergency exit. So. Thank you for that. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so yeah, uh, this week we're going to be uh, talking about Batman. <laughs> Let's just get right into it. In case the cowl and the ears didn't entirely yeah. that away. The, the vengeance and the night and the yeah you like the long ears over the short ears on the cow uh it depends i feel like uh in comic books i it, it i mean it's all about the artist drawing like the, the lines and stuff that it really depends i like i mean i'm well we'll talk about it but i'm a sucker for the animated uh batman yeah. And he, he usually has the shorter stuff, but I think there's a few even iterations oh. of the animated stuff that has a bit longer of the ears and the cowl. And I, I don't know. I just go back and forth. It's the same thing with the, um, uh, for my Marvel fans out there, the uh, Spider-Man uh, armpit webs. Uh, <laughs> sometimes yeah. they're really cool. Sometimes they look weird and goofy. Um, it's I think it's like just kind of, personal preference sometimes and sometimes it's just oh that that fits for the scene it makes him look more menacing i had completely forgotten about the armpit webs until you brought that up just now and now it's burned back into my mind so welcome uh remind me when we do a uh when we do another spider-man episode i'll tell you about those sometime (laughs) can't wait Bend the needle Perfect. Um, so yeah, uh, we're kind of doing this. Um, I mean, to jump the gun a little bit on why we're doing these next few episodes, kind of on Batman, uh, in preparation for the Batman, not the animated series, uh, the movie that's going to be coming out here shortly with um, what's his face um, from, yeah, Cedric Diggory. Yeah, Cedric Diggory. I was gonna say uh, Harry Potter, Death Fame, uh, Twilight. Uh, tanked movie fame um you know the lighthouse yeah existential crisis fame um of the character not him yeah he rebuilt himself on the indie scene a little bit yeah my favorite quote i've heard from matt reeves who made the batman is that he said when i cast robert pattinson all the people who were excited about him have seen his movies since Twilight. Anyone who wasn't excited about him hasn't seen anything he's done since Twilight. So I'm paraphrasing it, Tad, but I was like, yep, that's that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I do think uh, I've seen him in, like to that to that statement. I've seen him in quite a few other things and I do find him. He is, he is a very good actor. I didn't ever think he was bad in Twilight. I just think his um, the material that was given to him was not the best. And so, you know, got to work with what you're given type situation. It's true. It's true. Um, but yes, we are 
doing this all in anticipation of the Batman, which will be released on March the 4th. Um, and Michael, you kind of actually gave me this idea because when we were doing our Spider-Man movie episode and you had asked me, can we also talk about the animation and the animated series and stuff for that episode? And I said, no, we're <laughs> talking about X amount of movies. There's not going to be time. And you said, boo. And then we recorded with Kevin and did our usual loose two hours. Um, so that wound up working out okay. But uh, then I thought, well, that would be kind of fun before Batman comes out to go through the animation and also some of the comics and the games that I'm a fan of and some that I'm sure you have come across or have been a fan of in your fandom. Um, so you you spawned the idea for this episode, but luckily for you, there is another Spider-Man movie coming out this year, <laughs> so we can always go back and do the same thing for him. Perfect. I, I was going to say, I might feel a little jaded that you uh, took my idea for the Spider-Man and brought uh -huh. it to Batman, but whatever. It's okay. Yeah, but different episodes, though. Yeah, so yeah. There's time. It all works out. Yeah, exactly. It all works out. Um, <laughs> Cool. So I think where we can start, um, if we may, um, we can just kind of dive into the comic side of Batman and go through some of that. But before we do, um, the, I mean, on top of all that, the main reason I wanted to do this is like Spider-Man is your favorite comic book character. Uh, Batman has always been mine, and I know that's that's far from... The most original statement in terms of comic book fandom but i uh, always reson resonated with me at an early age and uh, just ever since then been been a big fan um and a lot of that does have to do with the animation but uh we'll get into that more in a little bit yeah as far as the comics go um i was not an avid comic book reader growing up um we had some comics. Um, my dad was more of a Marvel guy, I think. He was a, a big Fantastic Four fan, and uh, he had some comics that he let me read. I think one that stands out in my mind was a crossover with Black Panther, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and I would skim through comics at the bookstore or the toy store or wherever they were. I remember... We had neighbors across the street one time, one of whom gave me a Batman comic, which <clears throat> I read, but uh, I didn't own a whole lot of them. And you know, I, I had nothing against comic books. I think it's one of those things where you're either all in on something like that when you're growing up, or it's just kind of a thing that you enjoy periodically rather than are passionate about. And I think I was in that latter camp. Um, but uh, as I said, a lot of the my superhero fandom was founded by the 1990s animated series, uh, particularly for Batman, but also for Spider-Man and the X-Men because they had that block on uh, Fox Kids every Saturday morning. Um, so that's where a lot of that came from. Um, and in terms of comic books, never got into them 
you know, when I was a kid or even, you know, during my formative years. And it wasn't until I think it was our senior year in high school. Um, we were hanging out, we being me and you and uh, some of our other friends at your house. And this was 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. Um, yeah. So that would be around, you know, when the Dark Knight was released, which kind of respawned Batman back into uh, the, the eye of uh, popular culture, if you will, um, mm -hmm. in terms of being, uh, you know, a big icon for a general uh, general audiences. But uh, you, uh, you let me read a, a copy of your copy of The Killing Joke. And I remember being very struck by the dialogue and enthralled with the story and the artwork and the characterizations of Batman and the Joker. And I think that in tandem with, you know, Batman having, you know, these movies that were coming out again, kind of just rekindled, uh, if you will, rekindled my uh, intrigue into exploring, you know, more of his origins and, you know, some of the source material. Uh, so really, Michael, you're, you're at fault for getting me into the comics, which <laughs> is something that you're very proud of. I mean, I'm pretty proud of that. I, I mean, I think I'm trying to remember why I picked up The Killing Joke. I'm probably just saw it as like a like must read or something like I internet thing and was just like, oh, this is a must read, so I might as well pick it up. Um, well, I was Alan Moore too, so like, mm, yeah, you know, even if you're not a big Batman or DC fan. fan, if you like him, it's you know one of his definitive works that he's done. Yeah, I mean, it it does make me proud to have to be the one that uh encouraged, uh, cultivated, uh, sowed the seed for your <laughs> eventual corruption into the comic book world. Oh. <laughs> All the puns, all the all the innuendos for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was your influence. And then I remember, not long after that, it might have been the same day. I, a lot of our hangs are kind of blurred together in my mind from those. That's years. fair. We've been but, we've been doing that for some time, Jesse. It's hard to remember when exactly something might yeah, have happened. We we haven't been keeping receipts or a list or anything, <laughs> so it is hard to keep track. But uh, to Mile High Comics, which for those who don't live in Colorado is a pretty popular, really the uh, probably the main comic chain in Colorado, I would say. And then uh, it was there I because I had done some research after reading Killing Joke and was kind of looking at well, what are like his what are the definitive Batman graphic novels look into if I want to more into that medium and while we were at the store i picked up a copy of batman year one and you were there and i remember showing it to you and you being like oh yeah that's that's another great one and then so that wound up being my my first graphic novel that i ever purchased and owned and i still have that uh, copy to this day um and all of this combined with the Dark Knight, um, you know, which year one, of course, is his 
reintroduction, if you will, from Frank Miller, kind of covering those early years of Batman's emergence on the scene in Gotham City uh, in tandem with Jim Gordon's arrival and kind of his journey working through the ranks of the GCPD. And I remember just being really enthralled with this particular time of Batman being really interested by this idea that not all his villains were supernatural, that he actually did have, you know, his first like main antagonists were actually uh, the mob, uh, Carmine Falcone, Sal Maroney, uh, all these guys who had their grips on uh, Gotham City. And so this all led me to Batman The Long Halloween, uh, written by Jeff Loeb with the art by Tim Sale. Um, This being the exploration of Batman's crusade against crime. Um, One of the famous quotes is the promise that he made to his parents that he would cleanse the city of the evil that took their lives. And this pact that he makes with Jim Gordon and with Harvey Dent to rid the city of, they call him the Roman, but uh, to rid the city of Carmine Falcone and, you know, basically take him down. And then the mysterious holiday killer emerges on the scene and begins taking out various mobsters, which creates drama and intrigue around, well, the identity of said killer. Um, And this creates even more mounting pressure on good men to take down corruption uh, while Batman's rogues gallery start to gain more influence and take more control of the city. Also involved in all this is Batman's ambiguous relationship with Selena Kyle, uh, whose Catwoman is neither Batman's friend nor foe. So this is really just a long elevated pitch to underscore the fact that this has always been my favorite uh, graphic novel. Uh, And I revisit it often and I think the success of the Dark Knight and kind of seeing the parallels and how Christopher Nolan and his writers had their story influenced by this, but then getting to actually see the story and almost reading like a crime noir with how the artwork is displayed and uh, created and stuff. Um, to this, so to this day, it's, it's definitely my favorite Batman story. And, uh, I would say Jeff Loeb is probably my preferred Batman writer for the graphic novels with no disrespect whatsoever at Frank Miller, Alan Moore, anyone else. Um, I'm also a big fan of Loeb's Dark Victory, which is a follow-up, uh, slash sequel to The Long Halloween. And of course, Hush, which is Hmm. further on in Batman's career as a crime fighter. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I've, I love all of these and, you know, I've, I've revisit them a lot and I've, of all the graphic novels I own, I definitely, I think own more Batman stories than anything. I'd have most of, you know, the typical acclaimed stories, um, including Arkham Asylum, which is not my favorite. Um, not a big fan of 
the art in that. I'll, although I know some people uh, are really, you know, uh, impressed by that style. Um, but also, you know, things like The Dark Knight Returns, Death in the Family, Under the Red Hood, et cetera, et cetera. So all this started thanks to you, Michael. <laughs> all the all that space that's being taken up on my shelf uh, is from your influence. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been a really cool journey, I would say. And you just get something out of reading those graphic novels that you don't get from watching the movies or playing the video games or even, you know, watching the, the very, you know, acclaimed animated series. There's just something it offers for Batman and really for, you know, a lot of other heroes uh, and fictional characters as well that you just, you just can't get in any other medium. I mean, I bet Natalie's really appreciative of me uh, starting you down on this path. <laughs> well, she's cool with it. Uh, it adds a, a little uh, flair to our bookshelves. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I think I think I remember picking up the Killing Joke. I do remember picking it up in high school, mm-hmm. um, and I remember talking with you about it because I remember. Um, the one of the most vivid moments in that entire comic, I think I remember the most is actually one of the like, um, it's like a back piece. It shows this uh, guy kind of talking about and like how he would take out Batman and he's uh, in the prison. And then he like essentially talks about like how he wouldn't do anything dumb, like chase him across a giant, giant typewriter or something like that. He would like, just shoot him in the head from very far away. And it's just a very graphic image of Batman's brain just getting blown out by a sniper rifle, essentially a bullet from far away. And you're like, yeah, that would most likely be the most efficient way to actually kill Batman. It's not like he's a super, he's not super powered. He's just a, who's rich, which is arguably the best superpower ever. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Batfleck for that. (laughs) Uh, but no, I think, you, I mean, you list off so many of these really influential comics that I, I've read. I know that, I, I mean, the art in so many of them is, they've had, he's had so many, and I say he as if he's Batman's a real person, but uh, the character has had so many influential um, drawlers, inkers, liners, all these wonderful talented people and it's just impressive to see the many different iterations of the bat suit and like we were talking about the ears um i do as i'm kind of clicking through to remember some of the other comics that you might not have mentioned that i have uh read there you you can definitely tell some of these are the ears are like two and a half heads (laughs) um batman heads for like scale of reference and you're just like why would that ever be so why would you ever have that so long and those are i do think are really dumb looking <laughs> yeah it, it definitely varies depending on the artist and mm-hmm. the style and not all of it is super practical but um yeah. yeah i think a lot of the imagery is just very striking and there's some there's some panels that are just going to be forever associated with me with you know some of his most iconic stories like i remember 
I was reading through Dark Victory not long ago, and I sent you that that one panel when mm. uh, Dick Grayson's parents die, and he's you know kneeling over their corpses, and it's all in kind of red and shadow and in dark, and then there's just that one lone spotlight on Bruce Wayne standing in the crowd looking down on them, and it's just very. <laughs> It's very foreshadowing about, you know, it says a lot by saying nothing. And I think that's something very unique about the medium as a whole. Yeah. And I do think uh, one thing, too, I always love about Batman in particular. I think it not many other comic book characters get to do this. Uh, maybe Spawn um, as being one. But the use of darkness and um, the cape as a accent to the figure uh it's as big or as long as they really need it in certain situations and i think that really adds so much to kind of the silhouette of batman is just in these comic images is just the silhouette of the cape being in addition to it um you know spider-man my one of my favorite comic book characters could never have some of the same looks images uh just the aesthetical, the aesthetic appreciation you can get after looking at a Batman cover is just so interesting. And yeah. I think uh, one of the, a, a few that I want to like shout out, I remember, so for comics, for influencing me, um, some of the big ones I would like to kind of point out were interesting. I used to, I would ride my bike to the Jefferson County uh, Public Library. Um, I think it was the Columbine Library. Yeah. And they they had a pr- pretty awesome uh, graphic novel section uh, that had just a bunch of different books in there from uh, Marvel, Bat- you know, Marvel DC, uh, some image comics, some um, uh, Dark Horse, a bunch of different brand, uh, different uh, publishing companies and i remember reading quite a few batman comics there's and one of them i i wish i could remember what the name was but essentially it was this the storyline is stuck with me and the imagery is stuck with me to this day of there was some sort of virus happening and it was being uh was going throughout the city and it caused people's eyes to bleed and like get these lesions on their faces and just that whole idea of it has always creeped me out of like the the eyes bleeding blood um anytime i see it in any sort of other media i go batman did it first um (laughs) it was much more gruesome when they did it type stuff just because the it it just it meant that you were going to die like at that point like when your eyes were bleeding that was it you were done so I, that, you know, those types of images have always stuck with me when looking at Batman comics. And then uh, a few others is like uh, Gotham by Gaslight, the yeah. kind of steampunk-esque. Uh, I think it's actually a little bit, it'd be later than steampunk, but the kind of a Batman's Under the Red Sun as to the Superman one, I think is really great. Uh, just kind of the whole aesthetic appreciation of throwing one of your favorite superheroes back in time and kind of showcasing how they would still be them, but in a different kind of way. 
is always cool. I and love then, in Superman Red Sun how Batman was characterized. <laughs> He's just a freaking lunatic. Basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's great in that. I love him as that character. Um, and then some of the other ones that I really enjoy for uh, Batman comics are they're really weird ones. They're not like anything I think that are really important. But um, Batman versus Judge Dredd, uh, that's super great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Batman versus Dracula and Batman versus uh, Predator, Batman versus Alien um, and Aliens. It, th those are all really great, kind of goofy, weird, like not like non canonical uh, Batman stories, but they're just so fun because it just shows batman in so many different weird settings and he's always just rocking it <laughs> well and i think part of that is the fact that he doesn't have any actual superpowers he's just a master strategist who's rich and who knows how to hurt people um but it also very calculating and detailed with everything he just uh, he he fits in in a variety of settings, whereas opposed to a Superman flying in, I mean, he's just gonna vaporize half of those things. And you know, what's what's the fun in any of that? So yeah, what's yeah, what's the fun of a uh, Superman going against an alien where it's just like I'll punch him? Oh no, the acid blood is on me. Shrug, shrug, son yeah. healed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like the the Ninja Turtles one as well. That's a fun crossover that I never thought I would see, but it yeah. happens and it's awesome. Yeah, but I think I mean there's just so many great ones. I did read some of the the new Fifty Two when it came out uh, yeah. to kind of get because you know that was the whole idea, right? To get you back involved, like to hit the reset on the whole Batman thing. Um, I read that for a bit and just I I don't know Batman sometimes just gets too broody for me and I just lose interest in him as a sure. character. So no no ding on him, but just you know, it's just not my cup of tea. Uh, yeah, at a certain point, it's like, come on, cheer up, Bruce. It's it's not all bad, dude. So I, there's definitely a balance, and I think some writers and some mediums have achieved this more i'd say more successfully than others um but yeah sometimes they veer a little too far into let's just make him you know super broody and and negative all the time um, yeah i haven't read new 52 i want to get to that i i have a feeling some of what we'll see in the Batman is going to be drawing from that just because it's, I, it hasn't been done before to, to my knowledge um, in live action. So eventually I'll get to that, but he just has such a massive catalog of comics and graphic novels to this point. It's just, it's almost overwhelming trying to, trying to keep up with it all. Yeah. I mean, it's intense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You stop reading for a year, and suddenly Batman is a uh, is a self a selfish a selfish lover. All of a sudden, the only way you hear about that is via social media, and then you have to go look that up and go like, "Oh, what the hell is happening here?" So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, DC is always mixing things up at a whim. So exactly. Yeah. So it's tough. 
but um, yeah, I, that's a lot of, you know, at least my uh, uh, fandom from the comic side. So I think I've covered everything <laughs> for me, but uh, anything else you want to no. jump into on that? I mean, I do as much as am I, as much as I am a uh, Marvel uh, X-Men Spider-Man fan, I, yeah. I still love picking up a good uh, Batman graphic novel is always so interesting and fun to read. And I do think I do have to say he is the entire mythos around Batman. I do say he's one of my favorite characters. Uh-huh. Um, so he's just around when it comes to his comic stuff. So, yeah. I, the other, I meant to send this to you prior to the episode, but I forgot. Um, I think my favorite one, maybe not my favorite, but one of my favorite panels from Hush is when they take down Poison Ivy towards the beginning and uh, free uh, Superman from her influence and Catwoman knocks her out and then superman shows up and it's like catwoman catwoman was that really necessary and batman and catwoman just kind of look at each other and then look back to him and go yes <laughs> it's like yeah that that's that's good stuff right there exactly cool well we'll continue um as i touched on earlier um though i am a fan of his source material now Really, the foundation of my Batman uh, hysteria, if you will, came from uh, the animated series from the 1990s. Um, so we'll be spending some time talking about that. And then if there's anything else we'd like to touch on uh, afterwards, we can do that too. But I think it goes without saying that uh, Batman, the animated series um, from Bruce Tim and Paul Denny and Mitch Bryan uh, kind of changed the landscape in a lot of ways for uh, just that medium and, you know, how seriously it can be taken and the stories that can be told there. And of course the Batman that it gave to us, but um, it was definitely my formal introduction to the character um, and my main exposure to him, probably alongside uh, the Michael Keaton Batman movies, which we will cover in detail on our next episode. But uh, I remember just watching it after school. And, you know, this was back in the days of VHS. So, you know, my mom would record episodes for me on a cassette and so I could watch them on the weekends or they would have that, you know, those Saturday morning blocks where you could watch uh, these, um, or, you know, fight with your sibling over who got to watch what on the TV, which was always a good time. Um, and I think what was really cool about these, at least for kids is that, you know, we're so used to binge watching now and having these like really hyper-connected overarching narratives through all of our all of our television that we consume these days, that this was more of a series of one shot stories with occasional arcs, but 
there weren't a ton of callbacks the previous episode. So if you were, you know, catching like an episode in season two, you could jump right in and watch and you wouldn't necessarily be missing a whole lot from what had come before. So I think in that way, it made itself a little more accessible to people, especially uh, to kids who don't, you know, we don't always have the, the highest attention spans back then. Um, but I was also really drawn to, you know, the stories of a heroic Batman who had compassion for a lot of the villains who opposed him, uh, particularly the ones who were victims of tragic and unfortunate circumstances. And I think, you know, definitely one of the strong sides of this was it did have, you know, some of my favorite interpretations of villains. And of course, everyone thinks of the Joker, but I think of Mr. Freeze a lot when I think of the animated series. Um, the Heart of Ice being a prime example of providing some exceptional writing and really tragic and relatable motives for a villain to make him somebody that we fear maybe, but we can also you know, empathize with and feel sorry for. And I thought that was pretty cool that it could have that effect, you know, on audiences, even at a young age, you know, also villains like Clayface, like, you know, people out of left field who you maybe weren't that familiar with could also have really interesting kind of tragic stories for how they came to be. And of course, you know, we have the talented voice cast, supremely talented voice cast. Um, Kevin Conroy, of course, as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself, revitalizing his career <laughs> through voice acting and uh, giving what most people consider, I think, to be the most iconic version of the Joker. Um, Tara Strong as Harley Quinn, who was an original character for this show, and I think really left her mark on audiences and comic book fans. And even, you know, somebody like David Warner, who is a veteran actor, who was able to, um, I think, add, add some layers to, you know, a guy like Raish Al Ghul. Um, in Adam West, the the original Batman himself cameoed on this show. So they just, they had a great cast. They had great stories. They had empathetic, you know, relatable villains who I think were also to be feared. And it's just, you know, all that combined, it just created one of the best animated shows of all time. Yeah, I think how many... I've gone and it's I've gone back and rewatched uh, that since I was a kid. Yeah. I I think even um, one of my one of the YouTube channels I frequent, um, Channel Awesome, uh, which does the famous for nostalgia critic. Uh, they actually do Bat May, um, and that is uh, kind of fun because they go through and they talk about all the episodes uh, over the last few years they've been doing it. And it's just so interesting to like learn about how sometimes they were like, it was a kid's show and they, they, you know, executives didn't care about it in the same way. Mm -hmm. 
as they probably would nowadays. Uh, but they were just like, whatever, play. And they would like play things out of order. And so like you would meet characters before you were supposed to meet them or they would have right. like some sort of like they would pop up in a later episode, but they would be shown in this episode where they shouldn't have been shown. And the um, they had so many limitations put on them for what they could and couldn't show. There's actually a very one of the um, and I'm going to struggle. I can't remember his name, but the artist who did a lot of the uh, concept of it, like did a famous picture where he actually shows like all the things they couldn't show in the Batman animated series and kept being told, which is like uh, no breaking glass, no uh, no like no religious symbols, no nudity, no alcohol, no real guns um, being shot at people. So it was just a very interesting thing that they limited how much they could really show and still how much that show s sticks with you. The opening is still so iconic. Yep. Um, so. Well, the, the time period, too, is I mean, it, it looks like it's set like in almost in a, a noir crime drama mm -hmm. almost with you know the the cars and you know the gangsters with the tommy guns and stuff but vaguely also, set in the name not really because there's yeah yeah it's got a bunch of modern at least for the time modern elements to it as well so it it, it really is saying this is a universal story that it, it doesn't really depend on the time period so much yeah but, I mean, we should spend a little more time, I think, too, talking about Conroy as Batman. Um, one thing that he did that I think he's done better than anyone, live action or animation, um, he was just so fucking good at changing the register of his voice when portraying Batman as opposed to Bruce. Which, to be fair, was a trend that I think really started with Michael Keaton. So there's that influence on it. Um, but on top of that, he, he just was able to find you know a range of emotion that he expressed through his tones. So he's you know it's it's an animated kids show, so it's it's not supposed to have this many layers. But he was just so masterful at portraying a batman who it was very much a conflict with these villains but oftentimes you know with himself too and that's you know he he had a desire to want to help but he also has to uphold the law he wants to live a happy life but he also has this promise that he made to his parents etc and i don't think anyone's really come across as being that relatable in some of those ways as he has. And I definitely think in terms of giving us different portrayals and really differentiating between Batman and Bruce and disguising that voice to protect his identity. I, I just don't think anyone's done that better than he has. Yeah, I would, I'd have to agree with you on that. I think I, I try to think back on all the other, presentations of batman and his voice and i mean past the batman movies that i hate um <laughs> i think um 
you know, he doesn't do, he still has a caring voice. He still has these moments of true uh, empathy come through as Batman that you mm-hmm. could honestly believe you could hear Bruce saying and Bruce giving yeah. you. Um, so it's, and, and that's the thing too, is I think, I think of so many times I remember uh, Batman that show being shocked or devastated or mm-hmm. um, destroyed, vividly upset about a um, situation that happened. And I think to all the other animated series and all the um, live action stuff, I just don't feel like Batman ever emotes that much as I feel like he should in so many situations than he does in that series. So, yeah, it's, and it's to the credit. I think it's the voice that I like, I just can't get out of my mind. Like a, like a gasp of pain, of horror. I can't remember what show or, or what episode it is, but I like, just remember him going <gasps> and like, just being so taken. Like, I feel like when it's, when he sees two faces, um, Harvey Dent's face for the first time as two face. And he's mm-hmm. just so, destroyed because his friend has been so disfigured um yeah yeah that yeah. just that audible groan almost of agony over not being able to stop that and that's not something while others i mean not to necessarily say everybody else is garbage because i don't <laughs> i don't <laughs> think that's the case but uh, just that no one is reach that level while still i think being able to be that batman who can strike fear into the the hearts of villains and criminals and such and yeah i i would consider him the iconic version of the character i know a lot of others do too i feel the same way about hamill as the joker to the point when i i read the comics i hear their voice (laughs) when I'm reading those characters, like they're just embedded into my brain is like, yeah, that's, that's Batman. And that's what he sounds like. So. I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's a good point. I don't do that with, uh, when I read Spider-Man, I definitely don't do that with any of the actors that have played Spider-Man before. So (laughs) no, no Spider-Man. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that's a little more, you, there's, I think, more room for creativity in your brain for how, you know, the iconic version of that character should sound like. But I feel like that was almost actually achieved here. Um, in this show, which is, it's just crazy. It's, yeah. I can't imagine it sounding better than that. But um, I would also need to give a quick shout out to uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Um, oh, the first Batman movie I saw in theaters and I still think is one of the very best ones live action or animated. Um, my wife was kind enough to go with me when they re-released it uh, for the 25th anniversary, which was a few years ago, I think. And so that was, that was really cool. And it's just, you know, a story that holds up and damn, if I didn't get a little excited when, Robert Pattinson was saying, yeah, that's one of my favorite Batman movies. I was like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're on the right track here. If, if that's how you <laughs> feel. So. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about other animated stuff too? Uh, while we're going on? 
I was going to touch real quick on what else they did with the DCAU, um, the DC Animated Universe. Um, obviously, um, Bruce Timm's work with Batman here helped spawn further adaptations of Batman, um, including and Superman, the animated series with the world's finest crossover, which I rewatched not too long ago. And I just think that's, that's a splendid take on, uh, their DC's two most iconic heroes. And that's like, why can't you do this in live action? That's, <laughs> that's, that's how it should be. Um, um, and then to go into justice league, I, I texted you a couple weeks ago, because uh, I had watched the Star-Crossed uh, three-episode arc. And I, I've said on this show before, I always kind of struggled because I was not a, a big DC fan growing up. It was always I just Batman and then mostly Marvel for me. I just struggled to imagine how he would fit in with a team like that when there's all these gods amongst mortals and such. <laughs> But, you know, they just did such a great job of showing that, well, he's the master strategist and, you know, he uses his intellect and his resources to help the team. And just that, that cool scene at the end where, you know, he's prepared to make the ultimate sacrifice to, uh, to make sure that, you know, the, the team prevails. Um, and it's just stuff like that that I thought, you know, they, they found ways to characterize what what's important about him in that series without necessarily having him match powers with people. Yeah, I think you're right on it. It's, it's, uh, I've, I've said it before. It's baffling to me that the Warner Brothers and DC, uh, the DCEU, I don't know, whatever they want to actually call it, um is just so it flat it seems like it flounders to get any sort of traction and then it's like i don't understand you 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 have pretty much all the same people working did the dcau and that was beloved by so many people that are now like the prime demographic to go see the movies like yeah. why wouldn't you just let them kind of do these stories i mean it spans not just um Batman the Animated Series or Superman or uh, it also in incorporated Static Shock. Uh, it incorporated yeah. Batman Beyond, which is uh, one of my favorite uh, animated Batman. Uh, one of the comics that I've read quite a bit is the Batman uh, Beyond stuff. But like all of those were incorporated and brought into this true multiverse franchise pre-Marvel mcu stuff mm -hmm. and it just it's just sitting there and it's solid things and if they just found the ability to put that in i think it would be really solid for them yeah preaching of the choir man that's <laughs> <laughs> uh i why don't you talk about batman beyond a little bit because i know you were excited about that yeah so i think so batman beyond was you know again one of those saturday morning cartoons uh but it just I think it just hit a particular interesting tone. It essentially sets with the idea that uh, it's future Gotham. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's got a very interesting art style. I think that's one of the better parts of it uh, is just the aesthetical uh, aesthetics of it. 
and the intro is also slaps. Um, oh, yeah. is, or as they say in the show, is very sway. Uh, sway. Um, <laughs> that, that late 90s uh, jargon there. Yeah, right? I mean, I think I got to start bringing uh, sway into my life more often. Um, <laughs> What's old is new again. Yeah. But I think it's just it, the setup essentially is Bruce. Uh, Bruce Wayne is old. He's an old man. He, he gets old because mm-hmm. he's a normal human being. And so he finds uh, through kind of a weird circumstance, a new Batman in uh, Terry McGinnis, who's kind of doesn't have the same uh, upbringing as Bruce. He's just a kid of a Doris family. Uh, he does have tragedy is met with him in his life. Oh. But he essentially rises up and becomes like, and he's not a good kid either. He's kind of a kind of a <laughs> an idiot and young teenage boy. But you know, he's he's got a good heart, and that's what matters. And uh, Bruce takes him under his wing, and he becomes the new Batman. And he spends a lot of time uh, fighting old villains and new villains for him, and some that have some sort of semblance of similar to uh, other villains that were um bruce fought and so it's, it's just a whole interesting hodgepodge of funness i feel like so yeah yeah i i remember being drawn to just kind of the look and the style of the show and maybe for me it, it took a minute to get into the story aspects of it but they really did find a nice flow to that show and reach some heights that you know looking back i think some of that is you know some of the best batman stuff again that that they've done in the animated medium i you know i think return of the joker is just beyond you know what yeah pun intended beyond what uh i think any of us ever expected from a show like that in terms of just how devastated <laughs> while watching that you're you're not supposed to feel that way from no you know kid shows like that and yet they find new ways to just raise the stakes and and just really put these characters through an emotional wallop that you're just not ready for yeah and i i, I do think and this is something i've always i've talked about is uh, i've even brought this up i've talked to lizzie about it um is the idea that they are primed and ready to go to bring i feel like doing a batman beyond movie is this is the time to strike i feel like now for them is to do the the movie now because we have um michael keaton is getting sadly is getting up there in age um it says he's 70 on the internet and he i don't feel like he looks 70 um as i'm saying that i, I look i'm looking at him and i'm like you these are really old photos or he's looking great he's, um he's aged fairly gracefully for, yeah. for a white dude i would yeah. ask so but i mean that's the cool part about it is is that you could have michael keaton this original batman uh for live action come in and play bruce wayne again and be the old, but be old and haggard and grizzled. And you could have someone new be Terry McGinnis and play this character. And you could have a story based around pulling in the old nostalgic crowd again, because that's the only way that, you know, things now sell days is got to have the nostalgia and uh, pull that in and get a whole new franchise going. And you could even do, you know, 
pull him into the DCU, whatever. I don't know what's going on with that. But <laughs> does, does anyone know what's going on with that? Anyone? I don't even I don't think they even know. So <laughs> yeah, but um I, I I think it's a prime time, prime opportunity for them to do something like that and truly bring it to to theaters and have us all, you know, get on that awesome uh train again of fun and <laughs> awesomeness of batman beyond i think that, i mean it's just it's i just love the show so yeah. i would be excited to see it in theaters and live action well and i mean something like that really hasn't been done before either in live mm -hmm. action so it's really a unique opportunity for them and we've talked about this and other dc episodes <laughs> but that we've done but um i if they was if they have Michael Keaton back on back in the fold and they don't pull the trigger on Batman Beyond, that's such an easy slam dunk for them that I I just don't know. I that might be like my breaking point with any expectations for them in the future because it's like it's so easy. It's, it's <laughs> right there. Just 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 grab it and and say thank you and yeah yeah. Please. If, I mean, and if the intro's got to be, it's, I, and that's the thing, the intro's got to pay homage to the original intro from the animated series. Um, and yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, if you, and to be clear, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, if you have no frame of reference, one, how dare you? I think that's not fair. Uh, but I do, I just go and take a look at just the like screenshots um of it and just the visual aesthetic is so cool it does so many interesting things with colors and tones it's just aesthetically pleasing on top of being it slaps well man. story yeah it slaps <laughs> it's so shway well i i couldn't agree more i'm excited to revisit the show again i i have been going back through the dcau so i'm i'm getting there um beyond that i i know they've released a ton of they've done some other series like the brave and the bold and some other shows i haven't really watched any of the other animated series for batman i appreciate that they exist because that's that's another way that somebody you know who can have their own fandom spawned uh, via the animated series. So I, I, I am glad that they're continuing to do new iterations of that. And then they, I mean, DC is just ridiculous with their animated movie universe. Too. Oh yeah. They just, every year it seems like they just crank out a new legion of installments and it's impossible to keep up with. And they've, They've started doing this trend over the past 10 years where they're adapting a lot of the graphic novels that we've talked about into animated movies. Yeah. Sometimes I think that works pretty well. Um, others I'm not as big of a, a fan of. Um, I think sometimes they're really faithful. Like I watched year one not too long ago and that's like beat for beat. That's basically the graphic novel when you watch that they they don't really take any creative liberties or anything 
but then I remember watching the long Halloween and being like really excited. Like, yeah, this is, this is my favorite. So I'm excited to see what they do here and just not loving it and loving some of the changes that they made and thinking it was kind of not, it did not uphold, I think the integrity of that story in some ways. So I think, you know, for some of those I'm, I'm, you know, a fan of Hush, I thought was pretty good. I saw that not too long ago. Others, yeah, I, and I think maybe that's because you just can't do the source material better than the source material when you're adapting it directly, you know? Mm-hmm. I think in other cases, though, they just, they made some weird decisions that I wasn't entirely on board with. You mean the Killing Joke one? That one I watched. Uh, and was... Yeah, it was... It was trying to forget about that but uh yeah um you know that's, that's what i'm here for jesse is to remind I, you of painful memories that's it's just such a weird they they'd like to chip bruce and barbara gordon sometimes and and even in the comics i don't really understand why because it's fucking creepy as shit but uh yeah that part in the killing joke was just like okay that's this is not something i think i ever really need to watch again after that but uh, um there's a great moment uh where it's just t- to continue with batman beyond um there's a great moment where terry mcginnis learns that bat uh batman and uh, bruce and uh barbara uh did it did the nasty in the pasty as it was and batman and he, beyond. <laughs> yeah and batman and beyond uh, and so he learns this or wait it might actually be in a i think it's actually in a uh a justice league um yeah episode yeah. it's like yeah. a weird it's a weird crossover thing yeah um, but uh sorry weird tangent but uh the, the look of it disgust that's on his face when he learns it or at least sh- i shouldn't say disgust that's mean uh sh- surprise um it's just so uh i think that's what all the fans feel like they're like what why are we what is going on here why are we doing this no please stop <laughs> it's one of those things i feel like DC does sometimes, and I mean, Marvel is guilty of this, too. Oh, yeah. But, um, just for, like, yeah, let's just throw that in there. Let's entirely different and shock appeal, and let's give them something they're not expecting. And it's like, yeah, I could have I done without that, writers. <laughs> and I just, they keep trying to go back to that well, and I just, I don't understand it. But, uh, yeah, that is a prime example of them taking liberties with some of those adaptations that just it doesn't entirely work for me yeah um, but yeah I, I i think it's cool that they do that because i i guess it's good that there's different ways for people to experience these stories because i i mean a lot of people who have hbo max maybe just you know don't like you know don't like graphic novels or don't read that much, but they can still, you know, immerse themselves in the story that way by throwing something on for streaming for an hour or an hour and a half. It's too crazy. It's, I mean, most of, I mean, like you said, most of them are pretty solid stuff is when it comes to uh, DC animated stuff. So, yeah. 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 But yeah, DCAU people, that's, <laughs> that's, if you're curious, that's, that's where you want to start. That's, you that's want to see a good DC uh movie that's where you go 
<laughs> yeah. See, it was it was so good. I was like getting all choked up at the end of Starcross. I'm like, where? What? Why? Why does this not exist in in live action? <laughs> what What is happening? But they hate you, Jesse. That's why. I guess this. All these things we love have to cause us pain somehow. But uh, yeah, I think so, that does it for me for animation. Yeah. Unless you had anything else you wanted to touch on. No, I mean I'm happy to talk about. Uh, I think we we said next was uh, video games, right? Right, and yeah, I'm happy to move I on. think I think everybody knows. <laughs> Everybody knows what you know is really worth talking about here when it comes to Batman and video games. But there were just a couple real quick that I wanted to touch on. Um, when I was a kid, I had the Batman Returns video game for the original NES, and that was a side scroller. You know, being like a lot of comic book games back then, you just kind of run through the level and try not to die essentially have your health bar all the way depleted i don't remember playing it that often um i do remember just getting wrecked by catwoman and at one of the stages and i could not get past it and i think i just got frustrated and gave up and, and never played <laughs> it again um so there was that um and then there was also batman vengeance was one i played and i think that was early 2000s for the original Xbox and the PS2 and maybe some other consoles might have been on GameCube. Um, that was a surprise Christmas gift from my aunt one year, <laughs> which it was, was kind of cool um, to get something like that from a relative. But uh, it wasn't the best game, um, but it wasn't horrible, which it, I think is saying a lot for superhero games back then that... Mm -hmm you could actually play it and not completely hate yourself. Um, and it also did bring back Conroy as Batman in that game. So it was one of the, the first to, to start that trend. So I'm going to be honest with you. I had no idea. I, I knew about the, uh, the Batman like movie tie-ins. I remember those. Cause I, I think yeah. uh, one of them, you have a, you have different weapons you can use or gadgets. Uh, and one of them literally just is Batman, which is just him punching um, is <laughs> awesome. like the name of it. Cause it's like Batarang or grapple claw or all yeah. these. And then it's like Batman. It's just him punching. I remember that being funny, um, yeah. but I had no idea when you typed, when I was looking at the outline and I saw Batman vengeance, I was like, what is he, what is this? He's what game is this? Yeah. Um, and I was like, maybe it's like an Arkham game that I missed. But then I like pulled it up and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have no idea what this game is. And how come I've never seen any YouTuber play it? Because <laughs> uh, this seems like prime YouTuber ridiculousness uh, fodder right here. Oh, it, it's a nostalgia trip for sure that I think somebody would really enjoy playing on Twitch or something. But yeah. uh, not not a train wreck like superman for the n64 was Ugh. or anything like that Make but throw up in my mouth a little bit yeah yeah let's see it, it can get a lot worse but um it was just kind of a weird game like it, it, it tried i did in a lot of superhero move games i think had a hard time with this they just couldn't really figure out what they were trying to be and 
couldn't create a game that let you actually, you know, fill the shoes of a hero and do cool stuff while engaging you with a story without making it all too easy, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. But it, it wasn't bad for, for its time. I was like, what, was it a beam up? Was it a, I'm like looking at screenshots here and that's what, what it, was or was it? it was like, and this is why, this is why I describe it that way. It kind of tried to be an open world ish game because it was all in 3d and you could glide and go to, you know, you know, different, you know, parts of the city. And I think you got to fly in the bat plane at one point. Um, so you got to do all these different things, but then it was also kind of restrictive in some ways for like the action side. Like it, it's not anything like, um, the Arkham games or anything like that. Interesting. So it's, it's weird, uh, <laughs> but it, it wasn't terrible, which is again, not, not bad praise for those days. Um, I also remember they did the Batman begins video game. Cause that was, as you mentioned they did all the movie tie-in games back then yeah i heard that wasn't bad i i never played it but it, it got some decent reviews hmm yeah okay so this a very uh very messy history of batman and video games right there um, <laughs> probably missed a bunch but no oh, yeah worth remembering i don't think um but yeah, I think when it really changed or went to another level was uh, with the release of uh, Arkham Asylum. And that was 2009, I think. Um, and they, what they did I really well, and I this was probably partly because of the timing of this, because we were in our late teens, early 20s, you know, people who had growing up with the animated series and the DCAU is that by bringing back uh, Kevin Conroy for Batman and Mark Hamill for the Joker, Tara Strong for Harley Quinn. And also um, I think Paul Denny was back for this as well to help with the story. It really was kind of like a more mature, um, I don't like saying darker and gritty because those get overused and that's part of DC's problem, but, um, definitely a more mature evolution of people who really enjoyed the portrayals of these characters in the animated series. And so it had a really strong series, but it also wasn't just a nostalgia trip either. You get to actually you know, feel like you're Batman by playing the detective and, you know, solving riddles and, you know, the combat was pretty good and the takedowns to do different things to, you know, engage the various inmates who were running around the asylum. And it just, it felt very smooth and it was easy to learn, pretty easy to master too. It's not a very difficult game, but, um, <laughs> And, but also, I think how people react to you as Batman and the score and the atmosphere of it all just you, it feels like you're in that world 
And I think in a lot of ways that really set the table for what was possible for uh, Batman in video games. Yeah, I remember when the first uh, Arkham Asylum came out, I remember how, how amazing that was, how fun it was, how revolutionary I feel like so much of the gameplay was. Because even that uh, whole combat, fight, counter, dodge, punch system oh. that is now very prevalent in a lot of games. Yeah. Was kind of started here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember... <laughs> When I played Spider-Man, the PS4, I'm feeling that that was very much an evolution of what was started here. So I thought that was, I think, uh, a pretty cool, um, I guess, acknowledgement of how important this game was. Also, they changed the, I, it was either the counter button or the dodge button was different in that game as these Arkham games. So that... <laughs> took some muscle memory uh, to, to get rid of that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, in preparation for this, Jesse, uh, just to do a mind, a, a modest boast, I would say. Um, I told you, I, I know we had talked about it, uh, but I was getting ready for this and I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to bust out my Steam account here. I'm going to download uh, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City. Uh, I didn't do third or the fourth one. I can't remember which, how, what order they came in. Um, they did, was like, uh, they did Arkham Origins. That's it. City, and that was, I think, a different studio, but it was uh, like it. It felt like the same game or the same, yeah, uh, developers or whatever. But uh, then they did like the third one in the story, which was Arkham Knight. Yeah. Um, so I beat Arkham City in like nine hours. Uh, got all the Riddler trophies, did all those things, which I did really enjoy, like the the puzzle. See, and that's something I loved in both the Arkham Asylum and Arkham City ones was the Riddler trophies of like trying to figure out what he meant by this statement or um, the puzzles. I don't enjoy as much. Those ones always irritated me that you had to do certain things. But um, just and that in City or Asylum uh, in City. City yeah. is the one that bugs me because you have to like, all right, now I got to jump down here and or I've got to throw my little ice grenade and then jump down on top of it. And then I got to back claw over to here and then I got to spray my explosive stuff on this wall and then I got to grapple away. And then, yeah, I don't know that I've ever 100% beaten the city because I just get kind of. I, I reach a point where it's like, all right, enough with I, these challenges. I, I I did simply because I was just like, God, I'm I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna I'm gonna get it done. And uh, screw you, Riddler, and your dumb challenges. <laughs> right, and also the uh, going and doing it with um, Catwoman is such a pain in the butt because uh, that's oh. what I want to do in my Batman game: play as Catwoman, um, which I never understood. Uh, <laughs> It was I, I enjoyed it in parts. I think mm -hmm. you kind of played kind of like Spider-Man in a lot of ways, at least in terms of her combat and her movements and stuff. But I think at that point, you're just I've already kind of had enough of the challenges as Batman. It's like, ah, I don't want to do a bunch of these <laughs> Catwoman too. Like, I, I want less of these, not more. <laughs> yeah. 
it's fewer of these, not more. Fewer, yeah. Uh, do you want to know something that's kind of uh, semi-embarrassing, semi-funny? Uh -huh. um, Always. So, I hated the VR, the yeah, the VR quote-unquote thing in this where you do like the gliding. I was never good at it uh, as many years ago as I, you know, did this uh, play these. Um, mm. And so I avoided that in the game because I was like, oh, it's not worth it. I in doing that, I totally forgot that when you complete the very first VR one or like the sequence of them, you uh -huh. get the grapple hook. So you can do the whole like latch on speed, glide, fly. Uh -huh. So I played through the entire game without that ability and I kept being like, where do I get this? Why haven't I gotten this yet? Is it an upgrade I'm missing? Did I do something wrong? And uh -huh. I just played through the entire game and got to the very end and was like, well, I got to do these because I got to beat these stupid challenges. So I did and then got, oh, I'm such an idiot. This would have been, this entire game would have been so much easier if I had this stupid thing. Uh. You literally handicapped yourself for <laughs> the entire game by not yep. doing that. Yep, for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> hey, I mean, power to you that you got through it. I probably would have thrown a controller in frustration without that ability at certain points in that game. So. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. terrible. But I did beat it. I got all the trophies and all that stuff. It was um, the first time I got the Riddler ending, or the, uh -huh. like the conclusions of the Riddler, which is very, I'm going to be very disappointing. Uh, when after spending all that time, I was like, wow, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's why. See, at least in the first one, when you beat all his challenges, you like, you hear the radio. Mm -hmm. He's like still on his radio, but you hear him like getting arrested and like they, they drag him away or whatever. And it's like, ah, ah, you son of a bitch. Take that. <laughs> and I feel like you don't really even get a good payoff for doing all the challenges in city. So I'm like, eh, at a certain point, I just, I give up. <laughs> I just, yeah. I beat the story. I, I beat some of the other side things. And I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't need the, the platinum trophy for this. <laughs> I, I think I'm okay. Um, yeah. I think they really did a nice job overall of building upon just the controls and all the functions of the game and like opening up the possibility that you can be Batman and be, you know, just in Gotham city. Like it's, it's plausible to have a functional and enjoyable open world game. Um, in that mold i think the story was better in asylum overall i think city is is I, terrific in a lot of ways i think it's just a little over convoluted um, yeah and then arkham knight is kind of you know it's <laughs> tough for me michael because i haven't actually beaten that game yet um like i've played it a couple of times and they have the batmobile mechanics in that game yep and it just doesn't feel like it's not very much fun let's just let's put it <laughs> that way it, it kind of sucks driving around in the batmobile which is weird because you know how that many... should be amazing yeah yeah being in the batmobile should be awesome always and you know there's no reason why it should feel like a chore but 
it just it didn't work for me and i i think i reached a certain point in that game too where i'm just like oh good more more riddler challenges except we're in this dumb batmobile now that's exactly what i wanted from the third game in the trilogy <laughs> uh, i think you know and I, I won't say one way or the other about the story having not experienced all of it but um yeah i i think that's probably the the low rung of the three for me but nonetheless i mean i think it's awesome that you know we even have you know a trilogy that we can look at and the video game i mean he, he has you know some exceptional entries there as well mm -hmm. yeah i think uh they're they're all yeah they're strong games they're really good um but you're right. It is sometimes I, I think. How do we, how do we keep having all of these wonderful like kind of iterations or um, instances of Batmanism, and then we kind of just fall down and fail in so many other ways when it comes to like the live action movies. I feel like, uh, or at least the not all of them. I shouldn't say all of them. That's mean. And we'll get more into that. I feel like in the next episode of michael's hatred of <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting episode it I is think. um because i'm probably gonna be more critical than you're expecting me to in, in some ways um <laughs> and then also i think i do enjoy those some of those movies at least more overall but uh yeah we going through the comics you know watching the animated series and the dcau and of course you know i mean just what a master stroke to get kevin conroy to be batman in the arkham games like he's not already the fucking definitive version of that <laughs> character right um i think just seeing him at his best and how he should be adapted and portrayed and then you know having watched I think, yeah, watched all the live action movies in preparation for that episode and just kind of feeling like something is missing with all of them. So, but that's another tale for uh, another episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel at a good place with all this. Any, any other thoughts you wanted to add on the video games though or anything i mean i don't think so really um I'm, i am excited for what they're going to do with the newest upcoming batman game um uh, are they, batman are they doing another game or yeah are they doing because i know they're doing that suicide squad game yeah they're doing um batman Gotham Knights, I think it is. Is hold on, I'm looking it up. Yeah, Goth Batman Gotham Knights. Um, oh, which yeah, is, yeah. yeah. So, as it's described, is an upcoming action role playing game. I don't know how you. It'll be interesting to see how they do the role playing part of this, um, where essentially you play as the Bat Children. I don't know what they're called, uh, but like Robin, Nightwing, Bat woman girl i'm not sure which iteration this is just i'm taking a quick look here and uh red hood um so you from my understanding is that batman is quote unquote dead 
because you know that's definitely really what happens um and so they're th these four are picking up the slack to take uh to kind of take over gotham's crime fighting and so you get to play as the four characters and i'm assuming it's going to be similar to um the, the kind of mechanic of batman and catwoman in arkham uh, arkham city uh but it is not in the arkham continuity to be if from my understanding so that is just one thing to, yeah so it's its own thing its own divergence i guess i don't know so that's coming up well wb games montreal i'm pretty sure is who made arkham origins which i mean it's it's not a bad game either so i think that's encouraging in some ways um yeah, so that will be cool to check out. I I almost forgot to mention because I, you know, didn't fucking write it down. That's what happens to me. I did also play the Batman Telltale series. Ooh. Uh, those two games, which I don't know if you've ever played a Telltale game, Michael. Yeah. Uh, they are cool and unique in a lot of ways. And especially if you're a story choice-based type of gamer they have a lot of intrigue and a lot of things you know to be interested in they also are really really messy <laughs> in other ways and really struggle in terms of the mechanics and i think just the overall flow of the game um so and i think the batman uh telltale the first one has some good things going for it i think the game as it's you know just as a game doesn't always play super well and it's really buggy in a lot of parts um the story is is okay i think i think it draws on new 52 a little bit but i could be wrong about that um and then the sequel i think plays better but i don't I don't like the story as much so hmm. they're 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 a little bit of a hit and miss for me overall but they're not bad i feel like those came out during my uh, hatred of all things batman yeah uh, so i never played those i did play the um there are other games no uh yeah yeah the wolf yeah the wolf among us I, so that was maybe the best one that they did. I certainly enjoyed a lot of that, especially just being introduced to what was the, the Fables comics? Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that was just really unique and intriguing, um, having not you know experienced a fairy tale characters quite like that before. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, they they did a bunch of Walking Dead games, which I think kind of gradually went downhill after the first one which was pretty good um so they're not i mean they were what, five bucks an episode and five episodes total and so it's not like they had huge budgets for any of this but uh for the batman side it's worth checking out i think if you're a fan you're also not missing anything too substantial if you haven't experienced it so yeah yeah just wanted to make sure i got that in there and you just reminded me because you were describing gotham knights i looked it up real quick and they have 
the court of owls who they come mm -hmm. into conflict with there and and the telltale games they have like the children of arkham and, and they create some new characters and stuff so it, i don't know why it triggered that in my brain but <laughs> yay random memories uh yay random memories at least i don't have one of those bombs in my head that a lot of people in the dceu have so <laughs> All right. Uh, if, if you're good there, Jesse, I think we can wrap it up here. Yeah, I, I think I'm good, man. Thanks for this was fun. Thanks for good. indulging a, a Batman fan and letting me share some of my favorite stuff. So. No, man. I, I mean, hey, you let me do it with uh, uh, Spider-Man all the time. So I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm totally OK with it or other weird nerdums that I have. So always happy. <laughs> we're going to be back in Spider-Man soon enough so yeah looking forward to that <laughs> mm -hmm. um so yeah we'll wrap it up here uh thank you so much for listening to hit the reel the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it um try to get this podcast out weekly uh usually on saturdays sometimes on sundays um all dependent on if my uh computer is working uh like it wasn't doing this last weekend um but uh if we got something wrong, um, if we forgot one of the best Batman games ever in our very brief section on that, you too agree that Batman Beyond, the live action movie, would be amazing to see Michael Keaton play uh, old Batman, old, old Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Uh, feel free to email us at hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. Um, please also feel free to take a look at our Patreon in the links below. And... Um, next week, we're going to be talking about what are we going to be talking about next week? We're going to be talking about, I think it's book above a fat dude, book above a fat. Uh -huh. That's right. So we'll be talking about book above a fat um, to break away from this Batman stuff for a bit. Um, but uh, with that, uh, like always, Hey, uh, keep it real.